What's up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by 120 Power Star Rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 140 are open. This week is another solo episode just with me, and we'll be talking a lot about Pokemon Animal Crossing, Reggie's brand new podcast, and a fair bit more news. So, I'm glad you're all here uh, in the house of Mario to uh, enjoy another episode. 140, I had to think a little bit about that one, but it was, uh, you know, it's, it's getting up there. We're getting to 150, and I've got to start planning uh, what's going to go on with 150. Hopefully, we're not in the situation we are now where it's just uh, me sort of uh, trying to claw up guests each week and everything, but... Yeah, we'll see where we are. I think I, what I really want to do is do like a call-in podcast where we sort of sit back and have people call in and, you know, just have a conversations with different people within our community and uh, just uh, have a good time. But we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens. That is what I would like to do, though. Um, but to start off, I would just like to read out another iTunes review we got. So thank you very much to Zach Jackson over at Well Played, and he says, uh, he starts off with uh, five stars, which is fantastic, that is, uh, that's the main thing, that's the main thing, I think, um, well, not really, it's, uh, w- what he says is uh, quite nice, so the title reads, A Good Time, and he says, I'm not a huge Nintendo fan, but Drew and Crew's discussions always interest me, Nintendo fans will love this potty as it's hosted by passionate fans who always give honest opinions, and the first thing that stands out to me is he says, Drew and Crew... So, I do understand that uh, Bryce hasn't been on a, on a long time now. It's been been a fair while. So, I understand if you can't remember Bryce's name, uh, Zach, but that, that's all good. And, you know, I can barely remember Bryce's name. You know, um, I have to write it on the back of my hand. Every single time I refer to Bryce this episode, I'll be sort of looking down at my hand. But um, I can get away with that because this is audio. So, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I guess what I've been playing is it's, it's, it's a... Been pretty much the same as what it has been for a few months now. So it's been Animal Crossing and Pokemon, but I want to sort of blend that in because we've got a fair bit of Pokemon news, we've got a fair few uh, Animal Crossing stories, and then the rest is uh, other Nintendo news. So we'll blend it in with all the news and everything. So without further ado, let's just jump to news straight away because there is a fair bit to get through. Oh no! Hold on! <laughs> I've bugged up already. Embarrassing. Here we go. Look at this Woo-hoo! seamless. Yeah! <laughs> is that all? I fight for my friends. Yahoo! My body is still. So, one of the most interesting things from this week in Nintendo news, well, it's actually not really Nintendo news, but um, it it's uh, it involves Reggie Fils May, uh, the uh, ex president of Nintendo America, and he's starting a brand new podcast to uh, help with. Um, homeless students um, in uh, New York. So I'm going to introduce this. I'm going to play a video from Reggie Fizeme himself um, introducing the podcast, and I'll read the write-up on his uh, charity uh, GoFundMe page. So we'll start off with uh, the introductory um, video from Reggie. Hello, this is Reggie. I hope you're doing as well as possible and staying safe during these difficult times. I also want you to know and I'm joining forces with Harold Goldberg for a series of fundraising podcasts for the New York Video Game Critics Circle, a nonprofit organization. I believe in the cause, so much so that I'm part of the organization's board of directors. This series of seven podcasts is going to be exciting, fun, and informative. 
we'll have some very special guests as well. Here's Harold with more. Thanks so much, Reggie. It's going to be a great podcast series. We're asking for donations for two reasons. We're bringing our games journalism and narrative writing courses to homeless students in New York City. Homeless students comprise an underserved community that's really having a difficult time right now. So we want to help. In addition, we'll be taking our journalism courses online for everyone to use for free. I hope you'll donate now and join us for this very special podcast series with Reggie. Alrighty, so basically Reggie Fieser-May and Harold are starting up a brand new podcast called Talking Games with Reggie and Harold, and it's uh, like just on a, I guess, a, a more personal level, like I I like many Nintendo fans, really enjoy just listening to Reggie, he's been, he's had multiple guest appearances on other podcasts, and I just love being able to listen to him, so um, him having his own podcast to sort of talk about, you know, whatever, um, whatever he wants really, and uh, and also video games, just is really interesting to me. So the write-up on the GoFundMe page, just sort of going more into it, is, uh, and this is uh, from the page itself. So um, help us, uh, <laughs> help us help homeless students. Talking video games with Reggie and Her- Harold will be a unique seven-part podcast with former Nintendo, uh, Nintendo of America's president Reggie Fils-Aimé and award-winning author, author journalist Harold Goldberg. Donations will benefit the New York. Video game critics circle non profits mentoring work uh, in the time of COVID 19. Reggie is a NYVGCC board member and Harold is the organization's president. Uh, we are raising funds for a new initiative to, uh, to bring video games and games writing courses to high school students in homeless shelters in New York City. While everyone has been hit hard by this terrible COVID-19 virus in some way. The hardest hit, um, hardest hit underserved communities in the Bronx need our help. And no community has been hit harder than the students in homeless shelters who live in complex situations in the best of times and are having uh, terrible, are having trouble even connecting to Wi-Fi hotspots right now. These are our communities in need. These are the communities we want to help. So at the moment um, of recording... Uh, they have currently hit $1,530 of their goal of $15,000. And from what I believe is, um, I guess it, it kind of works a bit like a Patreon. So you get bonus content if you uh, if you donate. I don't know if there's like a amount you have to hit straight away. But um, this, this, is, this is something I'm, I'm fairly interested in just on a, just on a personal note. Just like, oh, I'd love to like hear more from Reggie. But... At, also um, going towards a pretty cool cause as well. And looking at Reggie's Twitter account, um, the first uh, guess is going to be um, Jeff Keeley as well. So that's going to be interesting. So would absolutely love to uh, hear the show once it comes out in May and, um, yeah, see what it's all about. And uh, Reggie, if you're ever doing sort of a, a media circuit going around trying to, you know, pimp out your podcast, please come by the house tomorrow. We'd love to have you. Um, it, it, I reckon Reggie would be one of the guests I'd want the most on the show. It'd be just so fascinating to be able to talk to him and ask him questions about his Tom Nintendo and just like um, just business strategies and everything in general. I think he's just a really interesting person. And I remember back uh, back years ago, like in the time of the Wii, 
There's an article that came out that Reggie was like talking about the other other non-Nintendo games that he's playing, and it came out that he's playing like Resistance Three and all of like these different games on PlayStation Three. And I think it'd be interesting just to uh, sort of ask about his gaming habits and like games that he enjoys that aren't just like. Um, Nintendo games because obviously he comes out and he says oh I'm being you know my favourite games The Legend of Zelda and all of this stuff but it'd be interesting just to hear what some of his uh, thoughts on um, Sony and Microsoft and everything else is going on in the industry now that he's uh, doesn't have the um, the chains tied <laughs> tied to his ankles and he has to uh, doesn't have to worry about his uh, I guess in the image of Nintendo he just uh, he's on his own now so go and check out the GoFundMe page uh, I'll leave a link to it in the show notes to go and have a look at it if you're interested. And uh, yeah, hopefully they do get some microphones um, in the video that they are. They're just using like Apple um, <laughs> headphones. So hopefully they get some <laughs> microphones. Um, so yeah. So we'll move on to some Pokemon news. Um, there's a decent amount here. So um, the max raid battles that have been circulating. So Tranatark. Uh, Togekiss, Rotom, Dragapult, and more are coming to Max Raid Battles, and this is from Pokemon.com. So some Pokemon, uh, some popular Pokemon, are taking over wild area in Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield. Be on the lookout for Tyranitar, Togekiss, um, Exodrill, uh, Wismacott, and Dragapult appearing more frequently in Max Raid Battles into May 11th, 2020. Um, also during this time, Rotom Wash will appear in Pokemon um, Sword Max Raid Battles and Rotom Heat will appear in Pokemon Shield Max Raid Battles. Um, to challenge these Pokemon in Max Raid Battles, you must connect your Nintendo 3DS to the internet, etc., etc. Um, so this is pretty cool. Uh, basically, what the theme of these Max Raid Battles are uh, competitive Pokemon. These are extremely uh, popular Pokemon for Max Raid Battles um, in the game. Uh, sort of uh, the VGC... Um, I know the one in Australia, like Togekiss was in every single battle and sort of um, uh, Tyranitar and Exodrill sort of teamwork together in double battles just works really well just with um, Tyranitar's ability, uh, setting up a sandstorm and Exodrill being able to take use of that ability just through its typing. And it actually has an ability as well where it powers up its steel, ground and rock type moves. So it comes in real handy. So if you're looking to build up a competitive team to sort of take on um, maybe ranked mode online, uh, this is a great time because you can just go and catch a Pokemon. You can level it up really easy with uh, candies and you pretty much have a team probably within within, uh, within an hour if you have the right, uh, right items and everything. So really, really handy there. And this, is, this was really interesting as well. So in one-star raids um, when it just launched... So there was Drilba, <laughs> yeah, Drilba, and uh, he, they actually sort of mixed up some of his moves. So in the one-star raids, they had Rotom Wash, which has um, Hydro Pump. So that's an electric water type um, Pokemon. And somehow they must have mixed up some of its moves with Drilba. So um, you could get a one-star Drilba with um, Hydro Pump um, the day after they did fix that. And I actually had a look, but I couldn't find it. They must have fixed it by the time I was looking. But uh, really interesting. So some people out there have a um, ground steel type with hydro pump. Um, and people in the uh, sort of the comments on Twitter sort of talking about it. Apparently, uh, that Pokemon was banned from being used online because um, it's just a <laughs> really quite a broken thing. Um, so 
if you do, if you did manage to get one, it's just a collectible item, really. It's like a sort of a misprint of a <laughs> of like a Pokemon card or something. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be rare. It's gonna be cool to have, but you won't be able to use it. Um, you know, there like there isn't really that much use for a Hydro Pump on Exodrill anyway. Really, it's just sort of cool to have. You can um, maybe you can use it to deal with fire types, but at the same time, ground's still super effective against ground any oh, against fire anyway. So. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I'll, I looked for one, but I, all, all I found was uh, just normal ones, so I didn't have it. Um, so next up in Pokemon news is uh, some... Well, there's a throwback challenge in Pokemon Go. And I guess uh, just on the note of Pokemon Go, I've uh, I sort of put it down since the pandemic happened, just not because I haven't been getting around. I've been going to work and everything, but in between work and... Um, going home, haven't been like stopping at Pokestops or anything. So I just like put the game down. I'm like, all right, just don't worry about it. But then the Abra Community Day happened last weekend and um, I was just, I was taking a dog for a walk and when I checked my phone, I actually saw that like Jamie Penning in our Discord community was saying, oh, they're talking about um, Abra Community Day. I'm like, oh yes, I completely forgot. Um, so I, I turned on Pokemon, I set up some, uh, oh, what do I call it again? Incense. I put some incense on, which lasts three hours that day and um, went for a walk and I was just finding Abra's left and right. And on, um, just for those who don't know, on Community Day, um, basically it makes one species of Pokemon spawn um, really common and also makes uh, the chances of getting a shiny um, of that Pokemon one in 30 um, chance, which is super high in the games. It's like one in 4,000. Like it's uh, it's just like crazy high rates. So um, a lot of people get really excited and go out and get multiple shinies and um, since this since uh, this uh, community day lasted six hours instead of the usual three hours, I was able to get um, 22 shiny Abras, which was just crazy. <laughs> like how rare they like how rare these Pokemon are in the games. It was just really cool, and it, I, in some ways it kind of diminished like the the coolness of a shiny. Like the, there is like a a bit of a difference there, sort of trying to go between like, oh, this is really rare. But when you've got 22 of them, I was like, mm, don't know. But it was, it was it was a lot of fun. I just like walked around with the dog and um, took her to the park and um, let her off. And I was just like spinning Pokeballs. And um, after a while, she just like, sort of sat there and was like, all right, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, sorry. There's a shiny Abra's around here. And yeah, really, really enjoyed myself. So that sort of like got me back into Pokemon Go. Um just, uh, you know, during all this pandemic stuff. So I've been like switching it on and sort of noticed like some more changes. You can do remote raids now. Um, if you can see a gym from your house, if you use a remote pass, you, you'll be able to uh, activate the raid. And um, just that there's some really nice changes. They're really, um, Niantic's doing a fantastic job of sort of um, adapting to, um, you know, the world at the moment since uh, their game's all about going outside and interacting with people. And that is exactly what we shouldn't be doing at the moment, especially in some parts of the world. It's not so bad here um, in a remote South Australia, but you know, if you're like when Niantic's thinking about their big demographics, it's like, you know, New York, <laughs> bit like big cities in America. So um, definitely, definitely a good move by them. So just on, on the news for the Pokemon Go. So, um, like I said, this is from Pokemon.com. Um, the regions of the Pokemon world are going to be highlighted in Pokemon Go's throwback challenge. So decades of Pokemon games have taken trainers through amazing regions of the Pokemon world to discover all kinds of awesome Pokemon. 
Now you can remember those great adventures in Pokemon Go with Throwback Challenge. Each week in May, you'll gain access to a timed research line, which is a new type of research that is only available for a limited time. Uh, each time research during this <laughs> line during the uh, event might remind you of the moments from the Pokemon RPGs. During each week, a variety of gameplay features and bonuses will also affect uh, will also be in effect, making it more fun to participate in the event. And as a special treat, be on the lookout for Pikachu wearing different hats each week in the style of the top Pokemon originally discovered in each region, as voted by fans in the recent recent Pokemon of the Year poll. So for for those that don't know, Greninja actually won that poll, not Charizard. Pikachu wasn't even in the top 10, um, which was, I guess, fair enough. I think everyone's kind of uh, sick of, uh, you know, Pikachu, Charizard, all these like popular Pokemon pushed to the top. Still love them, but you know, just Game Freak uh, sort of uh, lay back on them a bit. Um, the Throwback Challenge main event will run from Friday, May first to Friday, May twenty ninth, with each week featuring a featuring a timed research line from a different region: Kanto, Johto, Hoenn, and then Sinnoh. After the main event ends, if you completed all four research lines, you'll be you'll you'll gain access to the Throwback Challenge Champion 2020 Special Research, which revisits the adventures in that the Univer region and the features as a reward with Genesect. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, not only that, but all trainers will also be able to participate in an event from Wednesday, June uh, 3rd, 2020 to Monday, June 8th, 2020, even if they didn't gain access to the Special Research in this event, Galarian Meowth, Galarian uh, Zigzagoon, Galarian Duramaka, and Galarian Stunfisk will be making their way into Pokemon Go. Um, so, I actually didn't read that bit. So, Galarian forms are coming in, which are the forms just introduced in Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield. So, that's going to be cool to have them in the game. Um, so, obviously, starting off from May 1st, we will have access to um, the Kanto um, line of things. So, there's... This is uh, listed as uh, features and bonuses. So Pokemon originally discovered in Kanto regions such as Velonat, Chansey will be appearing more frequently in the wild. Pokemon originally discovered in the Kanto region will also be available in uh, battle in raids. The Pokemon will hatch from uh, seven kilo kilometer eggs. Velonat, Machop, Onix, Lickitung, Tangela, Scyther, Pinsir, Lapras, and Eevee. If you're lucky, you might find a shiny Velonat. So they're introducing Velonat to the game. Uh, Pikachu wearing Charizard hats will be appearing in the wild. Uh, event exclusive research, field research tasks will reward trainers with encounters with Pokemon originally discovered in the Kanto region. There's a, there's a two uh, two times catch XP, two times raid XP, and two times hatch XP will activate. And it's pretty much the same for each region going on, apart from the different Pokemon you'll have in eggs as well as uh, in the wild and max raid battles, so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna try and keep up with this. Um, it is a uh, like I've I've said it a lot of times, but it is sort of hard to play um, Pokemon Go down here just with the lack of people and the lack of Poker Stops and all of that. I have sort of gotten around like around that, um, but do just the raid battles are really hard. Like at the moment, there's Darkrai. Darkrai is a Pokemon that um, I really need for my my uh, Pokemon home. Um, mainly because my dark ride that I got originally in <laughs> black and white, I did a glitch to get it. So I basically walked from, 
I walk through an invisible wall instead of like, you know, doing it the proper way. And like, it is a legit dark ride. I caught it and everything, but um, just <laughs> the game knows I didn't take the boat. I just uh, walked through a black screen. So um, yeah, really looking forward to uh, sort of getting into this stuff. And Pokemon Go pretty much is the one mobile game I actually play like properly. Uh, I know like Bryce, he talks about Dragalia Lost and he's always like dabbling in multiple, multiple of these games, but Pokemon Go, that's enough for me. I'm happy to spend money on Pokemon Go, maybe like $10 a month type of thing. I'm happy to, you know, keep it going. They're really good at updating everything and it's in a really good place, Pokemon Go. It is um, really fantastic and I cannot wait until they add functionality with Pokemon Home. So that's where all my shiny Abras are going to be going. Uh, but it's, the, the thing is though, just with, they're introducing like Pikachu wearing different hats and, you know, it's like, whatever, that's, that's pretty silly, you know, I'll, I'll catch one, but... I've caught like multiple Pikachu with different hats, and but you can't get rid of them in the game, which is annoying because it just like clogs up my uh, <laughs> storage with uh, Pikachu wearing hats, you know, and it's like whatever. All right. So um, this is about the Pokemon anime. So the Pokemon anime is coming on June uh, 12th to Netflix, which is uh, good for me because that's like the one service I subscribe to. So the article reads, fans who are looking forward to seeing the further adventures of Ash Ketchum and Pikachu want to have to wait long. Um, as, as the 23rd season of the iconic Pokemon animated series will launch as a Netflix original in the US on June 12, 2020. In Pokemon Journeys, the series, Ash has left the Alola region behind with a brand new plan in mind. See the world! Ash will travel with new friends Go, another boy with boundless curiosity about Pokemon. With Ash as determined as ever to become a Pokemon master and Go aim to catch every single Pokemon, including the mythical Mew, our heroes are in for another adventure and excitement as they explore the wide world of Pokemon. So I guess the thing here to note is that this is going to be a Netflix original series, which is really interesting. Um, obviously, we've seen Pokemon. Um, the, the original series and uh, the movies are pretty much only on Netflix. You can't find them on Crunchyroll. You can't find them on any other streaming service. And only recently, um, you two, the, the power of us. So I always always butcher the name, but the remake of the very first Pokemon movie, that, that um, came out exclusively on Netflix um, day and date um, in, in English anyway. Uh, so they... Netflix and the Pokemon Company have obviously had a, a pretty good um, partnership together. And now that Pokemon Journeys is going to be a Netflix original, um, it is interesting because I guess like that back when I was a kid, it was like a, in Australia, it was on a cheese TV. So every morning you wake up, it's on at a certain time. And uh, for a couple of series, they were on Cartoon Network. So that's another sort of... Um, I guess, service to where kids already are and oh, they'll get into Pokemon. That's how I originally got hooked on Pokemon. It was uh, just randomly on TV. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And, you know, <laughs> history just writes itself from there. But with, with Netflix, I guess I, I it's kids sort of already got to know that it's there. It's not just going to be randomly be on amongst like, say, Dragon Ball Z and <laughs> like whatever else. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure how that works, but... Uh, just on a, on a more selfish note, I am happy that it's on Netflix because, like I said, I'm I'm not going to subscribe to 
all these different uh, streaming services. I'm not going to subscribe to Stan. I'm not going to... I was thinking about sort of um, going to Crunchyroll just to list, actually watch the new... Uh, they're remaking the uh, first season of um, Digimon Adventures, which is um, a show that I just absolutely loved pretty much at the same time of Pokemon, actually. I was going between those two quite frequently. So I was like thinking, should I sign up to watch Digimon? Um, I haven't gotten around to it yet. I'll probably just watch it a, a week late, I think, for free with ads. The ads really suck on Crunchyroll. They're really, they're really annoying. Um but yeah, that's sort of what I thought. But I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into this this uh, new Pokemon series. It seems interesting, just with like the whole globe trotting thing, and it's not just based in Galar, and seems cool. So, but sort of what stands out to me is the first twelve episodes are going to be um, dropping on the twelfth of um, June in the US, and I assume, I assume it's going to be you know this, the same time in Australia. But then every three months they're going to update it with another twelve episodes. Uh, which just seems like a really long time. So if you just like binge the first twelve episodes, then it's like a three it's a three month wait. That's a long time. It it's sort of um and the the, the there are news stories going around that they have um delayed the Pokemon anime um in Japan. So there is a bit of a halt on it. So I don't, I'm not sure if that's got anything to do with uh that, but. It just seems, it seems like a long time in between episodes. Not maybe like every month drop like um, six or something. But yeah, it's just something that stood out to me anyway. So yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this on Netflix. And uh, if any of you guys are interested in the Pokemon anime, let me know and we can uh, watch it together. Um, so the last Pokemon story, this is from uh, Nintendo Everything. And the uh, title is Pokemon... Uh, new Pokemon Gen 2 leak surfaces shows beta designs of Pichu, Celebi, and more. So um, the article reads, Two years ago, um, the 1997 Space World demo for Pokemon Gold leaked online. It brought along a ton of interesting details and scrapped elements, including unused creature designs. There's now been another leak for Gen 2 with another round of juicy discoveries. What's my phone going off here? Oh, I better ignore that. Uh, it seems that today's leak involves a full source code of the classic Pokemon games. Fans will undoubtedly be digging through all these in days to come, but unsurprisingly, much of the talk uh, thus far involves Pokemon, the Pokemon themselves. Um, beta and placeholder sprites are starting to spread online that show some pretty well wild designs for Celebi, Pichu, and more. So it's got a big list of every single Pokemon sprite in the game that's been leaked. And some of the more notable ones are shown um, up the top here of the article. And it shows Pichu. Pichu very much looks like the same shape of, as a Pikachu. It's like, you know, fat <laughs> pretty much from the day. Um, and Celebi is, looks like, you know, fairly different. It's got like spikes on the back. And there's actually, there's been a fan art that I've seen that sort of um, redrawn it as a, like a Native American. It looks really cool, um, sort of how they've interpreted it. And uh, Shuckle, which is, Basically, like a, he's, he's sort of like it looks like a pot just with like a snake coming out of it, compared to what it is, where it's just like a weird shell with a uh, legs and a bit of a head. It actually looks like a, a bit of like a snake charmer's pot. And one that probably stands out to me, one of the most, is Wooper. Wooper, uh, in in the actual games, he is I don't know how you describe him, <laughs> but in this, he's like a he looks like a like a dog. He's got like four legs, a tail. And he's got sort of the same face, but um, the rest, yeah, just like a, a like a dog or something. 
Um, so if you're interested in seeing some of these sprites, I'll leave a I'll also leave a link to this um, Pokemon Go, not Pokemon Go, Nintendo Everything um, article where you can have a look at all the sprites. And it's interesting because uh, some people, some Pokemon look like fully developed, like there's Fanfi and uh, all of that. But there's like Lavatar, which looks completely unfinished. Looks like uh, something you would just whip up in um, Microsoft Paint or something. Looks hideous. It looks like it, just like a bean <laughs> with like a bit of a face. Uh, so, so moving on from the Pokemon news, we'll move into some Animal Crossing. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's not really even news. I just thought some interesting things to bring up to discuss. So this is from Nintendo Life and the uh, title is uh, One Month Later, <laughs> Animal Crossing New Horizons Review Bombing is Only Getting Worse. So I read this on the show uh, a few episodes ago that Animal Crossing was, is getting absolutely bombed on uh, Metacritic. So the critics have given it a 91 all up. Um, you know, the world the world is absolutely loving this game at the moment, including myself and uh, it's showing in the reviews, but the the user score has gone down from a 6.4 to a 5.1 since I last had a look. And it seems like people are just uh, really hanging on to this uh, one island per Switch thing. It's really offending some people. Um, and it's something that I really can't comment on because I'm just playing this game by myself on my Switch. So uh, making fun of these people... Uh, I guess it's a bit unfair, but I will anyway. So these are some quotes that <laughs> Nintendo Life has um, pulled out for us. So uh, <laughs> one user says, the game is probably fine, but you can't fully experience it if you are the second player on the same console. This has to be the worst game design decision ever. Shame on you, Nintendo. Uh, someone else says, locked to a single island per console in a disgusting money-grabbing attempt from Nintendo. Also a stupid game in general. Who likes doing chores uh, to get out of debt from a raccoon? I mean, a lot of people apparently. The game's selling very well. And uh, the, the last quote here, Nintendo games are really going downhill. And the problem is the fact that people are buying their games due to nostalgic before their parents were divorced. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a harsh one right there. Um, I mean, I bought it and... My, my my parents are still together, so I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly the reason, but maybe maybe we're having a look into their sort of a uh, way of life a bit more than they sort of uh, meant to let on. But interesting, nevertheless, it's a really weird game. To you'd think that would be getting review bombed. Everyone seems to be enjoying it. The game's selling very well, uh, but uh, yeah, the game's just getting smashed. I don't I don't know. Every now and again, you do see this um, sort of review bombing for certain titles. But yeah, it is a it is a weird one <laughs> to get review bombed. So the next one is also an article from Nintendo Life, and this is just a, a random random one. I thought was <laughs> pretty funny. So uh, basically, this uh, person has started up a a company to weed your island in Animal Crossing New Horizons, and the article reads: Since Animal Crossing New Horizons la- launched last month, we've seen plenty of wonderful designs islands and funny moments created by fans of the game. Despite all of that, we have never expected to see something quite like this. Spotted by a spotted by Eurogamer, a Reddit user going by the name of Tabat11 has set up Weedco, a weed removal service which can be called upon by Animal Crossing New Horizon players. Uh, 
It probably sounds like we're joking, but this is an actual real thing that's happening. Demand has reached such a point that there's now an online booking form. Uh, no payment is required for the service, although tips are appreciated and any bookings will ensure that your island becomes beautifully weed-free. Tabit11 shared a brilliant video through Reddit showing how new employees were taught on the job to pass a potential employee must expertly pick weeds amongst other flowers that look like they... Uh, and look for any that might be hiding behind trees or cliffs. The result is a position at the company and even a uniform. So I watched the video and someone set up on their iron like a, a bit of a trial. So there's like at the very start, you're basically picking weeds between four flowers and you've got to like, you know, go into the middle. You make sure you don't pick up the flowers instead of the weeds type of thing. Then it goes to sort of a, a more complicated one where trees are blocking it and, um, there's two cliffs and you've got to press the uh, ZL trigger to uh, bring up your phone and that actually changes the the angle of your camera so you can see the weeds behind the cliff. It's just like it's just it's just like a kind of a, a really nice um, <laughs> story basically. I just I like, read this. I'm like really. It's and people are there's like Gary Witter, uh, Whitaker, oh, yeah Gary Witter that's his name, um, who I listen to most weeks on kind of kind of funny games daily and he set up a sort of a talk show in his uh, animal crossing house and people are just like being really creative with this game and uh, just really interesting ways I, I just i think the community is just so fantastic for this game apart from the people that are really offended that uh you, you can't have much fun being player two i guess um but apart from that everyone's just really embracing this game and it's a it's this is super important <laughs> a super important game for I guess uh, just gamers and how we're all feeling at the moment. And I was thinking today, like I am just, it is just starting to hit me how big this game is. I've been reading news articles about, you know, it's selling millions. It's top of the MPD. It's um, the most sold um, uh, digital game for Nintendo ever. Like it's just breaking all these records and it's only just sinking in just with um, just how, how much uh, content um, people are starting to make for this game. Um, there was a new Animal Crossing podcast I saw announced, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that. Then there's another Animal Crossing podcast, and there's just there's a lot of people like starting Animal Crossing podcasts just from um, the people I follow on Twitter. And there's a a, a friend of mine, Nintendo Talk. He his channel went from like under 5k, and now it's at 35k, and that's because he's um, doing like I guess tutorials on how to make your island look good in Animal Crossing and people are just flocking to his channel because people are hungry for Animal Crossing content and it's just really interesting to watch like it's not just like big in sales it's big in just people's interest um, and it sort of makes me think like mm, maybe we should have done some more Animal Crossing content but uh, you, you do you do what you can do I guess but really really a heartwarming game at the moment and um, so yeah um, this is also, a, I guess, a, another sort of <laughs> example of um, how big um, Animal Crossing is becoming. And this is this is just in a, this is just this is mainstream. Um, not that I read this newspaper because I'm Australian, but um, actually, is this a worldwide paper? No, I don't think it is. Um, so this is from My Nintendo. It's from Nintendo Life. I keep saying My Nintendo Life because there's a site called My Nintendo News. Um, but Animal Crossing's Tom Nook made the front page of the Financial Times um, today. So fans of Animal Crossing New Horizons will be 
more than familiar with uh, the raccoon overlord Tom Nook by now, the series mortgage lender, um, and and oh, I've activated Siri. Distract me, sorry. And um, um, island starting entrepreneur who probably spends his weekends swimming in a pile of cash, but now he's really made it, um, being considered a real life economics uh, focused media, Financial Times. Uh, international daily newspaper. See, okay, we can read it here in Australia. I really don't read the newspaper. I'm um, you could probably you probably guess from the type of person I am. <laughs> I probably should read the newspaper more, but alas, uh, a newspaper that specialises in business and ec- economic news um, has featured Tom Nook and his in-game bank on the front page today. The newspaper's front page regularly regularly um, hosts uh, stories on the likes of world leaders. <laughs> and the world's largest banks and the latest uh, political affairs. But the bank of Tom <laughs> of uh, Nook's recently uh, interest cuts have earned Animal Crossing in a coveted spot. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there's an article on the front page of the Financial Times <laughs> and it, it says, uh, gamers hunt tarantulas after being caught... Um, let's bring it up a bit bigger. Oh, it's not working for me now. So when I when I go to click on it, it comes up with a big picture of Tom Nook. That's annoying. Um, I'll just I can't read the actual article then because it's not working for me. It was working for me. Oh, there we go. Sorry for that, everyone. Um, so gamers hunt tarantulas after being caught by an, by an Animal Crossing uh, rate cut. So this this is what the Financial Times have to say about Animal Crossing. So savies at Nintendo Bank of Nook are being driven to speculate on turnips and tarantulas as the most popular video game of coronavirus, uh, coronavirus uh, economics global, global central bankers by uh, making steep cuts in interest rates. The estimated 12 million players of the Japanese gaming, gaming group's cartoon fantasy Animal Crossing were informed last week about the move, which, uh, in which the Bank of Nook slashed the interest on savings from 0.5% to just 0.05%, um, 1.9 million bells in the in-game currency, can be brought online for about $1. Um, the abrupt pol- policy shift provoked, uh, provoked flurry at once. A solid stream of income had begun had been reduced to a trickle. <laughs> I'm never going to financially recover from this, one player wrote on an online forum. Uh, the shock of Bank of Nook uh, rate cut uh, mirrors efforts by uh, monetary authorities around the world to ease the effects of the coronavirus by cutting rates and lowering <laughs> longer-term borrowing costs through the vast bond buying prog- programs. Uh, total world, worldwide stimulus announced in the recent months comes to $14 trillion according to the IMF um, after adding in various government spending packages. Now that the Bank of Nook has cut interest rates to near, near zero, uh, their next logical step is um, quarantine easing. Uh, it's essential players try to hook their in-game, hook their game, up to their printers as it might start churning out money. 
joked Albert Edwards, strategist at, <laughs> oh, it's a, what is this? A socialite uh, guarantee. Um, the latest investment uh, in Animal Crossing series has provided a well-timed addition for those looking for uh, diversions during lockdown. The in-game thrusts the player in on a violence-free ecosystem of insect collection and home improvement where the economic activity often depends on bank lending. It did not take long, however, for players to shoot uh, to spot that they could defraud the game's bank by depositing large sums of saving uh, large sums in saving accounts and then time traveling by tweaking the console's eternal clock. The bank <laughs> deputy paid decades of interest, making rapid bill making rapid bill millionaires. Uh, people familiar with the situation said the Bank of Nook rate cut was an effort to curb. The practice. Nintendo has made no official comment on the matter. Uh, the much lower interest rate means the most effective way of making money now is to gamble on the game's uh, eternal stalk market. Uh, a bourse in which uh, the only commodity is rotting turnips. Players can also make money by catching and selling dangerous tarantulas, which only appear after 7 p.m. local time. So that's pretty cool. For that's just like you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty serious newspaper. But it's just got this. Uh, I guess uh, in the in the terms of uh, what this uh, newspaper covers, it is pretty much <laughs> pretty much just a joke, which is uh, which is it's a uh, cool cool that it's there. It's a um um a well written article. I could imagine just like someone who's like, all right, time to check my stocks. John, you know, big businessman type of thing, and they sit down and read that. Like what? I've <laughs> got no idea what, what it's on about. Um, and the last bit of Animal Crossing news, Nintendo uh, reiterates that they will continue producing Animal Crossing Amiibo cards. So Nintendo has announced this afternoon that they will be continuing shipping and selling Animal Crossing Amiibo cards. The news comes from uh, comes via Japanese publication GameWatch, who asked the uh, Kyoto-based company whether they were planning to reprint them. Nintendo says that they will be uh, selling the four sets uh uh, sequentially along with the welcome amiibo cards however they said that um the centero collaboration cards won't be reproduced i don't know what that those ones are but um i gotta be honest guys i was thinking about going on ebay or something and trying to find a filbert card i can not find filbert he is not coming to my village i've i'm full i've got eight villages at the moment and filbert hasn't come to my camp campsite i'm feeling a little bit a little bit sad about that. So I was actually thinking about, all right, I need to find a Philbit Amiibo card. So, But if anybody has a Philbit Amiibo card out there or Philbit in their village or know someone, if you know where Philbit is, you can if you can help me get Philbit into my village in any way possible, please reach out to me. D DM me on Twitter or Facebook or I don't know, whatever. Um, I, re I really want to know. <laughs> I really want uh, help getting Philbit because I can't do it myself, obviously. I, I, I can't find him. Oh. A, bit of, a lot of talking, a lot of talking. Um, so this is a article from Nintendo Life, and this one, this one's a bit of a concerning one. So Nintendo shut down limited Wii U and 3DS eShops in select countries. So um, Nintendo has announced that it will shut down the limited eShops for 
Wii U and 3DS family of systems in certain Latin American and Caribbean countries by the 31st of July 2020. On a brief summary on Nintendo support page explains how users in affected regions will no longer be able to redeem codes, downloaded software, or update software. It's scary stuff if you're still attached to any of these devices and happen to be happen to live in this location. So this is the quote from Nintendo's support page. In certain Latin America and Caribbean countries, uh, limited Nintendo eShops for the Nintendo Wii U system and Nintendo 3DS family of systems uh, have provided a few basic functions such as game <laughs> such as game code redemption. Uh, those limited Nintendo eShops will close on July 31st, 2020 and users in affected regions will not be able to uh, access the uh, access them to redeem a download code, re-download software, or update software. We also encourage users to take any such actions before the closure date. Um, so, while this isn't affecting everywhere, obviously, this is just in countries where um, the usage of 3DS and Wii U systems are probably limited quite a bit, and they're probably seeing that on the back end, like, you know, a lot of people really aren't using this, and we are paying for this service, so we may as well shut it down. But it it is scary just like looking at this. If if you're if you're someone who's put a lot of money into the eShop on the 3DS or Wii U, I know like maybe not the Wii U for a lot of people, but the 3DS certainly they had a lot of great digital only games. Um, a lot of us have gone to, and with the Wii Shop shutting, I think it was like a couple of years ago now. Was it last year? Like it lasted for a long time, but you know it shut down. You can no longer access maybe hundreds of dollars of stuff you've bought on the uh, virtual console or the WiiWare, and just like th- thinking about that, um, sort of coming here and um, shutting it down on 3DS, that will be that will be really sad because like e- even on like say the Sony um, side of things, like you can still they haven't shut down the the PSN for. Uh, PlayStation 3 or Vita or even PSP. Like, it's all still going. You can still go there, access stuff, buy stuff, download it. Um, but Nintendo, since it seems to be all sort of separate, they've like, they're very separate for the 3DS, the Wii U, uh, the Switch, whereas on PlayStation, it seems to be all together. If you go onto your PS3, you'll be able to download uh, Vita games, PSP games, and... Um, I know, I know the PS4 is a bit different. You can't do that on there, but it seems to be like sort of running on the same server, whereas Nintendo, it seems to be just completely separate, which is concerning. And, you know, years to come when it comes to the Switch, when the Switch is a legacy console, and you know, a lot of us have spent, you know, like me included, we've spent thousands of dollars on the Switch eShop. And when it comes to the point where Nintendo is like, all right, switch off the shop, um, I guess this is a... A great reason for you guys out there who are like, oh, I uh, buy all my games physically. I can trade them in. I can keep them forever. This is a this is good ammo for you guys because Nintendo seems to be pretty uh, not very trustworthy with uh, just their shops and buying uh, digital licenses. So something to keep in mind for the rest of us. Um, so this one's from Vooks.net. And uh, basically Luigi's Mansion 3 DLC pack um, has come out. And it's just... Um, it's just for the multiplayer modes, so the article reads just like that. The second Luigi's Mansion 3 multiplayer pack is out. This new content continues to add content for both the screen park and the screen scraper modes. Uh, for the screen park, you've got three more mini games 
and the scare scraper gets three new outfits, matching floor themes and uh, themed ghosts. Um, so, like, I, I'll be honest, I loved Luigi's Mansion 3, but I never even touched the multiplayer. I actually could not care less about the Luigi's Mansion 3 multiplayer, but um, for, for those out there who have bought the season pass and have been waiting for this new DLC to come out to get access to new costumes and uh, minigames, uh, have at it because it's out. Uh, this is a, this was a really weird one. So this is also from my Nintendo Life and uh, Indivisible is out on Nintendo eShop, but the developer isn't happy. So basically what, what happened with this um, <laughs> game is that uh, the publisher released it before the, well, while the developers weren't even aware about it. And e even worse, the game wasn't um, its final build <laughs> on the eShop at the moment. So there's an, uh, a non-final build of the game released. So the article reads, Remember Indivisible? Uh, originally pitched as a potential Wii U release, this RPG adventure from the creators of Skull Skullgirls raised over $2 million in its Indiegogo campaign back in 2015 and would eventually launch on PS4, Xbox One, and PC in 2019. Switch owners have had to endure an even longer wait, but the good news is that, out of the blue, the game is available on the Nintendo Switch eShop. The bad news, uh, uh, Mike Zanmont, uh, one of the original developers, isn't too happy about the version that has arrived on the eShop, nor was he informed that, informed that it would be launching this week. So this is a quote from Mike's uh, Twitter. So he says, hey, that thing everyone wanted, Indivisible, is available right now digitally on Switch in North America, uh, in Australia, it's here too. Uh, feel like you missed the announcement you're not alone <laughs> our team found uh indivisible uh uh found people it's a uh, blurred out a bit here uh found people on twitter sent us congratulations i had no idea but here it is it's holding a picture of your switch with the the game on it um so zamont uh, explains that the Switch port was not handled in-house, but he has no nothing but praise for it in terms of performance, stating that the Switch version of Indivisible itself is great. Porting The porting group did seriously excellent work, runs at stable frame rate, even handheld. His issue is that the port isn't based on the old build of the game, which... Uh, Sorry, his issue is that the port is based on the old build of the game, which lacks uh, co-op, uh, New Game Plus, or anything else recent. Uh, will be... Oh, this is quite here. Uh, I'll be uh, reviewing Indivisible as it stands right now, and we'll be asking when Nintendo players can expect the most recent build. But for the time being, keep in, keep in mind that the game that uh, Lab Zero wants to offer Switch owners... So it seems like um, I guess uh, another another group was porting this game, and both the the port house and the publisher. I guess they just didn't really need to have any communication with uh, Zero Lab to get the game out. It is sort of a, a weird oversight to be like, oh well, you guys just will have no idea that your game's coming out on Switch. But I guess with another team handling it and the publisher handling it, I don't know. It just it, it just sort of like shows that um, the communication between the publisher and the actual devs uh, really needs to <laughs> improve. Um, 
it, it is it is a weird story, but um, the game is twenty percent off at the moment. So, assuming that they are going to uh, the port house is going to incorporate the um, updated new game plus and everything into the Switch version, uh, it might be a good time to buy it if it's twenty percent off. Um, so yeah. Um, I'll skip that one. Um, so number Nintendo Life. Uh, so Zelda Breath of the Wild is voted among the best stress relieving games in uh, a new study. So we all play video games for different reasons, but one particular common reason is to unwind and de-stress after a busy working day. The specific games or genres we do uh, this will naturally differ from person to person. Uh, but a new study conducted by Comfy Sacks has found The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a popular choice. The game actually came second in the study's top top stress-relieving games, losing out on the top spot to The Sims. Uh, other games like Minecraft, Pokemon, and Tetris, the latter of which could, co- uh, could cause just as much stress as it leaves, in our view, also made it to the top 10. In the same study, games like Call of Duty, Fortnite, and Halo were voted the most stressful games. No Nintendo published games made it into the most uh, st- uh, stressful top 10. I don't know. Mario could be tr- stressful sometimes, just some harder levels. Um, <clears throat> in this, uh, uh, you can read the full study here if you're interested. So you can go to my Nintendo Life and get the link there. Uh it surveyed just over 1,000 US gamers with a number of stress-related questions surrounding their gaming habits. Uh, the uh, methodology is explained below. So this is from, what's the name? Comfy Sacks. Uh, to collect data shown above, uh, we conducted a survey of 1,007 respondents. Uh, to qualify for this survey, respondents were required to play video games occasionally, almost every day or every day. Um, of the respondents, 293 reported playing occasionally, 356 reported playing almost every day, and 358 reported playing every day. Uh, the respondents' pool was uh, 58.4 female and 41.3 male, and less than and uh, less than one percent non-binary. A preliminary survey of 150 respondents was also conducted to gather the top uh, 50 most played video games. So it's cool that Nintendo, um, well, it's cool that Breath of the Wild sort of made it into this because I, I can I can see Breath of the Wild being just like a really relaxing game. You're sort of like, you're sort of like doing whatever catches your attention type of thing. Like, oh, you're running around, you see some moms, you pick them up, you see a dragon in the distance, you go, oh, I'm going to go and have a look at that. And it's just like one of those games. But I don't know, man. The people playing this, did they get, did they see a guardian at the start? Like, were they already like enough through this game where they're like, all right, nothing bothers me. It's all good. But I, I remember like my first few hours playing Breath of the Wild and the first guardian I came across, whole, I've never been so stressed in my life. <laughs> <laughs> let alone, uh, yeah, let alone. <laughs> so I don't know. Depends on, depends on uh, what uh, <laughs> what part of Breath of the Wild you're playing. But I can definitely see why it would be just nice and relaxing. It'd be interesting too if they if they did that sort of um, maybe closer to Animal Crossing. Um, if that would be up there because I can see Animal Animal Crossing. It's got no action in it whatsoever, so that can be nice and relaxing too. Um. 
So uh, uh, another article from Nintendo Life, and this is talking about sort of Google Stadia's uh, recent um, announcements. And the article is Switch fans react to EA's partnership with Google Stadia. So uh, Google's uh, video game uh, cloud service Stadia immediately received a lukewarm reception when it launched in select locations last November. Since then, the search engine's giant has revealed more than 120 games are on the way to the platform in 2020. Now, to add to this, EA has announced it is teaming up with Google to bring Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Madden NFL, FIFA, and more to the service later this year. Uh, as you might have guessed, it's turned out turned to quite a lot of heads within the video game industry. This new partnership has also notably come under fire from Nintendo fans on social media and appears to have in many other ways in general questioning their arrangement. So this is uh, this is pulling a, a few quotes from people on Twitter. So this is Nabel, um, and you might recognize him as like a sort of a industry uh, insider who often has uh, leaks and stuff like that regarding Nintendo. So uh, EA announces partnership with Stadia, plans to launch five games. Um, then someone underneath just uh, says, when you support Google Stadia way more than Nintendo Switch, it's clear you have your priorities wrong. EA doesn't make any sense. Uh, Stealth, who has actually been on the show before, um, even by Stadia standards, I don't think that Stadia Connect was very good. Uh, you can tell they're having a really hard time convincing people to bring games to the platform. Uh, it is funny though, EA are willing to support uh, Stadia, uh, which I'm not even sure has 1 million subscribers yet, versus Switch, which has sold over 50 million units. And Michael Scully says, EA really looked at Nintendo making millions of Switch and Animal Crossing and thought, let's throw our weight behind Stadia instead. Um, and just like, I won't read any more, but when I think of Google Stadia, like at the moment, Google Stadia is a real joke. Like it, re it really is. Like we don't even have access to it in Australia, so I can't say a hands-on thought of it, but just the, the idea of buying a game then not actually being able to download it and play it reliably um, just really doesn't appeal to me. Um, just on, like, the main competitor with Google Stadia is Xbox with xCloud, and you'll be able to stream it to your phone, um, you know, iPad, laptops, um, probably like the Xbox itself, but you'll also be able to download those games to your PC, your Xbox Series X, your Xbox One. Um, it's just like a... The Xbox just seems to be doing it a lot more um, in a way that appeals a lot more to me because you will be able to play it just really reliably at home. But um, if you're going out for the day and you have a good internet connection, you can just boot it up on your phone with your Xbox controller and play it like that. Um, but what what a sort of... I, I can see Google Stadia's trump card being that once Google Stadia is integrated into YouTube, that is going to be huge absolutely massive and it's going to be able to reach people that um, don't play video games or don't play video games much. Um, sort of in their example with, with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So um, someone's playing it and um, there's there'll be like a little button at the bottom of that YouTube video where you can click on it and it instantly loads a demo of said game. So Assassin's Creed Odyssey and you can play it straight away on any device. Um, that is going to be a massive. That is going to be huge and I think that is what EA is looking at. EA is looking at um, 
what that can do for series like FIFA and Madden because a lot of people just buy a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One just to play maybe Call of Duty, FIFA, Madden, etc. Like these are games that are played by a huge player base. People that aren't necessarily gamers, they might just be sports fans and and just like getting rid of the console and people that can uh, just play it straight off of any device is going to be massive for them um, in the future. They're not going to be doing like, they're not going to be expecting like a huge success in 2020. They're not, I don't think they're even expecting a huge success in like 2022 in two years time. But when, when Stadia is up and running and people just have instant access to FIFA and they'll be able to, you know, buy their, their cards and all the microtransactions and all that other fun stuff that comes with a lot of these uh, EA games. I think that's what they're looking at. And the Switch, like the Switch is doing awesomely. And I like EA um, spokespeople have acknowledged that multiple times. Like Nintendo's doing great um, with 50 million plus, but it's just FIFA and Madden and um, these games they make, they're just not a good fit for the Switch. Um, I know, I know like their attempt at FIFA was a really bad attempt. Like they just like put out like a really poor version of it. And then the next year they did a roster update and then bam, it's a legacy edition straight away. Like it's just, it was just like a really poor attempt, but those types of games just, you know, it, it's, it's not the necessarily right fit and star and star Wars like, um, fallen order. You know that's a game that's going to have to be like downplayed a lot for the Switch, and I, I, I personally wouldn't be that interested in getting it on Switch. Like I, I wasn't that interested in getting it full stop because I haven't bought it yet. But that's the type of game I prefer to play on PC or PlayStation Four or that anyway. So I don't know. It's it's easy just to look at Nintendo and be like, oh, support Nintendo, they're doing great. But and like we look at Stadia, if it's doing really bad, and say, like, why are you supporting them instead of Nintendo? But I think in five years' time, um, if Stadia does show itself as a success, um, it's got it. It is a good fit for EA as a, as far as getting its games to a new user base. Whereas a, the user base on Nintendo isn't necessarily a new user base. It overlaps a little bit with PlayStation and Xbox. And um, if you weren't going to buy FIFA anyway, I don't know. It's, it's sort of a hard thing. Like I. I did buy FIFA originally on the Switch in 2017, but yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I don't really have the same reactions to a lot of these um, these people on Twitter. But um, let me know let me know what you guys think because I think Stadia, while it's a joke at the moment, I think it can become um, a pretty dominant force once it has it's integrated within these other services um, Google does, such as YouTube, because the gaming communities on YouTube is massive. It's one of its most um, popular topics and having that just um, integrated into YouTube, into like Let's Plays and everything, it's going to be massive, I feel like. But we're not there yet. Sadie doesn't have the games. It doesn't have the features. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of things they've got to fix before it gets to that point, but interesting nevertheless. And uh, the last bit of news is uh, Deadly Premonition 2 is coming on the 10th of July to uh, Nintendo Switch. Um so this is from my Nintendo News. So Nintendo has announced a release date for the next uh, game in the Deadly Premonition series. Deadly Premonition 2 will be arriving on Nintendo Switch on the 10th of July to uh, accompany the re- uh, 
date release date announcement the team has also put together a new trailer which you can watch on youtube um and uh, it's also it's also good to note as well that deadly premonition one is 50 percent off on the nintendo eShop. and i actually played the original deadly premonition on playstation 3 and the game originally came i forgot what year it was but it came out on xbox 360 and maybe pc i'm not sure but then a special edition came to ps3 um a few years later and they added like PlayStation Move support and some like weird things I can't really remember at the moment. But uh, Deadly Premonition, it's like a it's a cult hit. It's a uh, it's not a good game, but it's really weird in a in a way um, some people really appreciate. I know like uh, Alana Pierce who uh, works at Funhouse now, but when I was listening to her um, on IGN podcast, she always said that this was Deadly Premonition was her favorite game. And I don't understand how it's your favorite game. I can understand why you respect it and really, and why you enjoy it. But uh, just the idea of it being your favorite game baffles me a little bit. But if you're into sort of like really weird, I guess, uh, murder mystery games, um, it probably probably wouldn't hurt giving uh, the original a go. It's twenty two fifty, I think, on the Australian eShop at the moment. Um, a bit less if you're in the in the Americas or anywhere else in the world. It's our dollars so bad at the moment, but I am interested to see what Delhi Premonition 2 is all about, like whether um, it's as janky as it used to be, like the original used to be or whatever. It is. <laughs> it was a it was a weird uh, pickup for Nintendo to get this game um, on the Switch. So, yeah. All right, I'm losing my voice a bit here, guys. God, let me uh, have a sip of water. Oh, Delicious. All right, I'm back a bit. So, all right, we're over an hour. So, I'll let you all go. Oh, let me uh, pull up my things. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening to The House of Mario, episode 140. If you enjoyed the show, please uh, leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, like Zach Jackson did. And you can follow me on Twitter at iDruby, and you can follow the show at The House of Mario. Uh, if you'd like to join our Discord community, I urge you very much to do so. We have uh, an invite in the show notes. And I want to sort of uh, get some more uh, interactivity for Animal Crossing. Um, at the moment, um, I know I know uh, Jamie and uh, Luke and all that aren't into Animal Crossing. Well, that's that's fair enough, uh, you be you. But I would love to, like, you know, have a bit of an Animal Crossing community in there and be able to... Uh, you know, do turnip prices and do multiplayer and all of that type of thing. I'm thinking that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah. So, this week's Nintendo jukebox is Console Wars. And it's uh, by um, MC Lars and Megaran. And when I... This actually came up in my Spotify um, new release playlist for the week. And when I first... When it first came up, I'm like, oh, God, this is a nerdy rap song. But it's actually, it's actually really cool. Megaran is one of my favorite artists i absolutely love him um i think his lyrics are fantastic and just all, all it's an all-around really cool song so obviously it just came out since it was in my new release uh, playlist so i'm going to share it with you guys and there is links to the to it on uh spotify and i'll try and get it for apple podcast i'm not subscribed to apple podcast but I'll, not, not apple podcast apple music apple something Anyway, I'm going to give my uh, throat a bit of a rest and I'll, I'll catch you n- uh, next week for the uh, another episode of The House of Mario. So, until next week, 
The doors to the house of Mario are closed. Catch you later. Sega vs Nintendo, David vs Goliath, Sonic vs Mario, the challenge of arises. Marketing and strategy, the tortoise and the hare. Yeah. Defined a generation, here's the story, we were there. In 1983, E.T. the game, a catastrophic failure and a shame. But the start of an insane war, Atari and television Coleco. But too many choices just divided the people. Shigeru Miyamoto knew it couldn't be the end, so he built a game called Donkey Kong, which helped him launch Nintendo. Through guerrilla marketing, he shook the planet from its Lumber. When it introduced the soon-to-be iconic Brooklyn plumber And an entertainment company from Hawaii would enter Built on slot machines but became a game contender They started off slowly but what helped them get across Was a sleek black system and a speedy edge It was Sega vs Nintendo David vs Goliath Sonic vs Mario The challenge ever rises Define a generation Like no system had before A battleground in every store Choose your side, console wars It was Sega vs Nintendo David vs Goliath Sonic vs Mario The challenge ever rises Define a generation like no system had before. A battleground in every store. Choose your side. Console wars. Nintendo used relationships with Walmart and with Target, keeping Sonic off the shelves. They monopolized the market with a 95% share. That's ridiculous. So Sega got meticulous with marketing conspicuous. Yeah, they hired a top dog, formerly of Mattel, turned the game around and new strategies would prevail. Toys were just fast, but games were big businesses. Sega went hard with the relaunch of the Genesis. While Manure Arakawa wanted straight control. Of every gaming console that Nintendo sold When the game Genie dropped, they sued Galoo in the players with their stuck-up attitude. I heard the Genesis claim to do what Nintendo. They skipped the kids and marketed to the young adults with major licenses like Spider-Man and Michael Jackson and Game Genie action. The world was on a crack. It was Sega vs Nintendo. David vs Goliath. Sonic vs Mario. The challenge ever rises. Define a generation like no system had before. A battleground in every store. Choose your side. Console it wars. It Sega vs Nintendo. David vs Goliath. Sonic vs Mario. The challenge ever rises. Define a generation. Like no system had before A battleground in every store Choose your side, console wars In 1992, the evidence was there Sega's lead was gaining with an increased market share So Nintendo leveled up with that Super FX chip no. The 3D looked amazing and Star Fox was a hit They hit them off with portables, Sega's next strategy Game Gear was tight, but it burned through some batteries Blood of Mortal Kombat, Shower Scene and Night Trap Congress built the ratings war cause parents didn't like But then Donkey Kong Country and Mario Kart Brought Nintendo to the finish line and showed a lot of heart With timeless characters that we all still adore From Pikachu to Mega Man to Wario and more and Sega drop 32X to Sega CD to Dreamcast, but it was not the same. Sega was not the game. We had some good times. The past was a blast, though. And later, Sonic even made a cameo with Smash It was Sega vs. Nintendo. David vs. Goliath. Sonic vs. Mario. A challenge ever rises. Define a generation like no system had before. A battleground in every store. Choose your side. Console wars. Sega vs. Nintendo. David vs. Goliath. Sonic vs. Mario. A challenge ever rises. Define a generation like no system had before. A battleground. In every store, choose your side, console wars.